podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So here we are in the Christmas from the rookery end. Festive from the rookery. It is the festive from the rookery. We are uh, as normal. I'm here uh, with Jason. Hello. Uh, and Mike. Hello. And I'm John. Uh, and uh, we're in the, the Railway Arms pub just across the road from Bushy Train Station. Sat next to the Christmas tree. It's a with wonderful scene. Twinkly lights. Snow outside. There is. The, the, the Christmas feeling is coming. Uh, but this is our Christmas special. Uh, what can they hear, Mike, in today's episode? We'll be looking back over the uh, football that we've seen since the last podcast. There's been some decent performances to report on. One so in particular, yes. Looking forward to having a chat about that. Uh, we've got a couple of songs for you. Mm? As it's Christmas, we've got a couple of carols. Oh. So either turn your iPod up or down. <laughs> it's up to you, but um, I think you'll probably enjoy them. But the big one, Jason. The star on top of the From the Rookery End Christmas tree is <laughs> Malky Mackay. Yeah, we've, uh, we've just been to interview him and uh, a very insightful interview we yeah. had with him and uh, his life as a football manager and the life as probably many football managers around, around the country uh, is coming up a bit later. So let's get on with the Christmas special. Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. So in the last podcast, we were we were a bit down after the draw at home to Reading. Yeah. We were looking ahead to the month in front of us. We, uh, we knew there's Barnsley, we knew there's Leicester, we knew there's QPR and, and Preston on the way. Mike, you predicted that we would gain a grand total of four points. Four points, yeah. Jason and I both had six. We did. And, uh, well, we, we finished with seven, but could have easily been ten. It could have been. It, it's amazing. We, we talked about that Reading game. At the end of that, that Reading game was... What, seventh game we'd gone without a win? All yeah. of a sudden, that Reading game is now the start of our full match on beating run. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing how these things can change. At the time, it was quite depressing. Yeah, I would think it was uh, that particular game was played out as oh, just there was nothing happening. and we, did, we, did, we couldn't really see where Watford's next win was coming from. Um, that was followed up with the away game at Barnsley. Not the sort of place you want to go when you're, when you're struggling for form. <coughs> I didn't go. Um, you might be surprised I've been to Oakwell I've done my done <laughs> it's my, cold up there yeah. you've done your time I went on a Tuesday night I bunked off school to go to Oakwell <laughs> and I stood there on the terraces in just my school shirt chilly bunked off business studies got a lift up with um, some people and yeah Watford won 1-0 so yeah. worth it yeah very much worth it yeah but no that was yeah, another nil-nil draw which led into the first home win of well, for a long, long time. Yeah, for a long time. And uh, but also the first goal at the Rookery Inn oh, at last. It was, it it was there, and you missed it, John. I did miss it. So oh, we spoke in the last podcast about what could have been causing our um, <laughs> our slump in form. It could have been uh, Barnsley, my colleague from work. It could have been my, the t- thing stuck in my daughter's ear. What we didn't realise <laughs> that it could have been one of us. One of us was the problem. It, John missed the Leicester game. What happens? Not only do we win, but we also score at the rookery end. John, I put it to you that you are the curse. Your uh, defence? Uh, we will see. But uh, I got stuck down on the south coast because of the snow. Maybe, you know, all that mumbo-jumbo is absolute rubbish. But the, mumbo-jumbo the, the most is only black and white. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see it on the next home game, which is Cardiff. <laughs> so if we lose, so if we don't, there, if we don't win that one and you're there, yeah. Burn him, I say. Burn him. <laughs> that Leicester game was, was, was a big, big game for Watford, I think. We went ahead, to, we were sort of comfortably ahead. Well, Watford never comfortably ahead at 2 0. And then it came back to 2 2. But Watford didn't stop in that game. We, we stuck to our guns and managed to get that late winner. And I think we might look, well, hopefully, we'll look back on that Leicester game as being a real turning point in our season. That was the end of a, was a tricky run for us. Mm, I think it was. Think would we have had the same performance at QPR without that win at Leicester, mm. at home to Leicester? I, I doubt it. So I think that was 
Well, QPR, we're going to talk about, was a high-profile game for obvious reasons. That was a big game in our season, and I was um, really pleased with the with the guts and, and spirit um, that we showed to win that. I think we had a, a, a fair share of luck as well in these three games. Um, mm. I think Barnsley hit the woodwork twice. Uh, the Leicester game, we, we could have uh, it could have all gone horribly wrong when he got it back to two all. And the QPR game, there were discussions on possible offsides and penalties, but we won't worry about those. But, but what a performance! But what a that great was. performance! Yeah, the, the the result was definitely deserved. The result was definitely there was, deserved. There was an article in the I think it was in the Guardian where someone said if you were just a fly by night Watford fan, you only ever watched one on the television, you think why are you only in eighth tenth place? Surely with these performances we've seen against Norwich, we've seen against QPR, you should be top of the league. Yeah, well, we. We all sort of trawl the message boards and have a look on Twitter and stuff, and a lot of we're getting a lot of complimentary feedback from other supporters who are now sort of sitting up and taking note of it mm. and saying, "What you know, what a performance!" What and, and to go back to what you said about the game being beamed around the world, mm. I remembered I had a text message over here from a friend uh, who's currently, or at the time, is in southern Morocco, uh, in a in a on a quiet table in a local cafe, surrounded by men playing cards. They had Queens Park Rangers be waffled on the telly. This was <laughs> this was on the Wednesday after after the game. Uh, and, he, and he was able to watch the game. I had a mate in Australia who said, I'm watching Watford against QPR. This is the Saturday night. I went, I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> well, not a lot could have spoiled that. I mean, but, I mean, standout performances for me, I thought Buckley McGinn's standout performance. Good to see Danny Graham back on the on the goal trail again. First goal, I think, was an absolute thing of beauty. Watford still struggling to shake off our tag of direct football, but that, yeah. that goal came at the end of a lot of a lot of passes. South American uh, passing frenzy yeah you could almost hear the sort of samba sort of <laughs> beat kick, band kicking up in the background any, lo- any longer and every kick would have met with an ole ole but, but a great you know they, they passed and moved got the ball into the box and, and Danny Finney it was a tough trajectory yes. to, to hit he had to wait for that ball to come down for a long time uh, but made no, no mistake and uh, not, not easy to do with a man of Paddy Kenny's size <laughs> in goal but and, and the third goal as well sorry John I'm, not, I'm on a roll here you should know not to <laughs> The third goal, when there was a, a big cries of offside, that can often put someone off. Danny was sort of did what every good striker should do. He had his eyes on the prize, and he slotted it. Score. He did. He put it into the back of the net, and then turned around to see if the linesman was flagging. Exactly. Thankfully, he wasn't. Score first. Ask questions later. Well, I think it was the, the thing about the QPR game. Yes, it was a great win. It was on television. Um, yeah, it was their first time they've lost a game this season. Um, but the big thing about QPR is that we live. It's almost like our local rival at the moment. And of course, Jason, you work with your boss. My boss is a QPR fan, yes. Have fun at work the following Oh, oh we got free donuts. <laughs> that was the bet. The loser bought the donuts. Uh, and then we recreated a couple of the big moments from the game with his, uh, his gummy bears on Friday. You can, quite if, a moment. If you go to the blog, um, www.fromtherookeryend.com you, uh, you can see the, uh, the efforts and pictures of uh, Jason and his boss recreating not only the supposed offside but also the bottle incident it's also a valuable, valuable insight as to what goes on in Jason's office <laughs> yes, this was, this was a, a quiet lunch break Ish. Yeah. The, the, the thing, I think the thing I'm most pleased about from, from that QPR game is that it was on TV and we've, we've spoken a lot in these podcasts about how proud we are of our, our team and how we can see it developing and in that game the, the, the world, the watching world saw what our kids are capable of doing I think there's people who are still sceptical about, about Watford because they've got no cash and they've got a lot of young players so people are waiting for them to sort of plummet down the league and what we saw there was... Um, a team full of confidence and no short amount of talent all come together and showed what I think we've been hoping 
to see. And we have seen it. We have seen it on the this season. I think it was a real nice encapsulation of, of what Watford can be. Uh, and if we see a couple more performances like that this season, then uh, I think we're all of our money's worth. If you had to, though, what would Reserve add the poll on their website? Yeah. Which is the better? Was the 3-1 win away at QPR or the 6-1 away win at Millwall? If you had to pick, boys, which one would you pick? Um, it's hard to say, and I think someone pointed this out on the, on the website, is that everyone saw the QPR game because yeah. it was on the telly, whereas only a handful of the away following saw the 6-1. The impression I got reading reports and that was that every time we went forward, we scored. We didn't create a huge amount of chances. It was the uh, yeah. It was. I think, I think the, we took our chances. I think the game. Millwall game was one of those anomalies that comes around once in a while where everything you hit goes in. It was just one of those days. So perhaps that didn't reflect uh, the six goals. Perhaps didn't reflect the team performance as much as as much as a QPR result did. I think that yes. was a, that was an overall was team performance where everyone was at the peak of their at their powers. Everything clicked into place, um, and it was a team that was a real team performance, a well earned. Uh, and superbly executed win. So for me, it's QPR. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think sorry, John. I think six-one would have been a fair result in the QPR well, game. A number of clear-cut chances that they got last-ditch blocks or tackles in on. Oh, and if you Neil Warnock, a ten-one would have been a fair result. I think. Well, he admitted as much as well. And I think if you get Neil Warnock saying nice things about you, you must have done something right. So you either played well or drugged him. <laughs> From the rookery end. It's Christmas special. We're by the Christmas tree still. And there's nothing more Christmassy than singing a Christmas carol. So on from the Rookery End, we've decided to our own special 12 Days of Watford. And here for your listening pleasure is Mike, Jason and myself, John, with our 12 Days of Watford. On the 12 days of Watford, my GT gave to me 12 goals for Graham, 11 academy players, 10th in the league, 9 pies for Malky, minutes for Josh Walker, 7 players on the 6 goals at Mibble, 5 away wins, 4 goals for Taylor, 3 points at Rangers, 2 TV wins, and, and still just one goal for Alloys. Email the boys. Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. As it's Christmas, we wanted to give you a special From the Rookery End present, and we could think of nothing better than a chat with the Watford manager, Malky Mackay. We had the chance to talk to him at the training ground recently, so have a listen to what he said. Here is part one of our exclusive Christmas interview with Malky Mackay. From the Rookery End. Hi Mike, welcome to From the Rookery End. Thank you. It's Christmas. Are you are you are you ready for it? Um, we are. Uh, we've got our uh, Christmas wrapping out, and we've got our crackers, and we've had our Christmas lunch. Yeah. And Christmas is officially finished as far as football's concerned. <laughs> the boys managed to get a, a day out at the start of December. The staff managed to do that at the start of December. The Christmas lunch up at the training grounds all finished and going. Um, now we hit the serious stuff, um, and that's the way it is for football players and football managers and and, and football clubs in general. Christmas and New Year is becomes a, a, an even Busier time for us because they double up the games. Was it seven games in next month? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and over the Christmas and New Year period, you um, you can end up you know being away Christmas night from your families and overnights and same with New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So it becomes just commonplace for footballers that you know 
Christmas is parked, really, and, and this is a really important time of the year. You've obviously tried to try and give the time with our families as and when we can, and, but it, you know, around about Christmas Day, Boxing Day, it's, it becomes it's, a, it's business again, unfortunately, yeah. and it's quite weird. You know, people saying, well, you know, what's the situation here? And you go, well, we're in training Christmas morning, or we're in Christmas afternoon, we leave and we travel, and people don't realise that you, you stay away from your family on Christmas nights and New Year's Eve and things like that. But it's part of the business we're in, and they throw in extra games at this time of the year, which is quite incredible. Two games in three days, which I don't really agree with. Um, and they do the same at New Year, two games in three days. How do you get around the family and the wives and the girlfriends? To, they must be the most understanding women in the world. Wives just or the girlfriend, not wives and girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to come up with an exclusive there. Um, no, um, it's something that people just get used to, and your families have to just get used to it. It's the life we're in, and it's the business we're in, and, and you have to make sacrifices if you want to be playing at this level and be involved at this level, and, and that's, that's just the way it is. So did you have a Christmas party, did you say? We had a, we had a Christmas lunch up here. Yeah, the staff put on a, a great Christmas lunch for everyone and we listened to the new arrivals have to sing a song uh, to the building and the, uh, the youth team have to make various groups of singing. Okay, so, um, and the various standards to that, let me <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got you a Christmas present oh, for, for a little thing like that. Thank you very much. Yeah, you have to open it up. So, right, okay. No, we didn't want to get you, so we got you a little something oh, just to keep you going. shortbread. Do you know what? Tomorrow morning... The nine o'clock meeting that I have with my staff, yeah. we're going to have tea and shortbread. Cool, and really? also we've got your card, because, but within it there's, a, there's an extra present for you in, inside, which we're not quite sure. Obviously, Woody and Buzz, who are yeah. two of my favourites, and possibly try and get them involved in the team this year. <laughs> but we've got your voucher. Ah, <laughs> oh, three uh, points, wow. It's a, it's a the weekend voucher, which you can redeem for three league points. Not sure if all football federations will take it, <laughs> but with, with Sip Blatter, FIFA might, might take it. You never it know. Again. You never know if you, if, you, if you offer them enough. Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate that. Okay. From the rookery end. When you were a player, did you know you were going to become a football manager? Or did you ever think about becoming a manager? Um, as I started to get later on in my career, um, I started taking my badges when I was about 30. Um, and I finished about six months ago. So, well, I, you know, everything there is to do. So, it's certainly just take me seven or eight years to actually be able to. That's what it takes you to be able to actually do everything mm. there is to, to do at the moment. And, um, I think it's something that you look at friends, you look at people you worked with and, and who became managers and um, you know, you get to your 30s and you start knowing managers, guys that you used to play with and um, by that point you've, you've worked under, I'd worked under, I worked under plenty by that point and um, you know, it was something I was interested in coaching, I was interested in staying in football, I've got a passion for football and um, I came into the professional game a little bit later, I've been in football since a youngster and, and in Queen's Park in Scotland, it's an amateur club. So I was working at a bank at the same time. I was 21, and I never turned pro. I was 21, and I think it gives you. It certainly gave me a, a, an understanding of just how how much I want to actually stay in it for as long as possible. So as you get to your as you get to your 30s, it was something I, I always wanted to go into in the coaching side of it, um, and be going, you know, doing the badges, doing the courses learning and speaking to as many people as you can to, to educate yourself and I think that can only help you the amount of people you can take little things from and not only guys that you can take things from in a positive sense people that some of the managers that are things I wouldn't do you know and that's just important what you wouldn't do and how you wouldn't treat people um, or go about things and I think all these little things are, are things that can help you so it was something that I felt that um, I, would, I would like to step into but you never know what, what, how your career is going to pan out did you, did you, did you, did it, when you do those coaching badges, does it completely change the way you look at the game of football? Yeah, because 
as a player, you're sitting there. If you put, put yourself into a, a player's shoes, a player's sitting there listening to one guy. 15, 20 people are sitting there listening to one guy or, or and being orchestrated by that person. You go and stand there as the one person looking at everybody. They're all waiting for you. They're waiting for inspiration. They're waiting for you to tell them what to do. They're waiting for structure. They're waiting to know, entertain me, basically. And uh, it's totally different. Player and a coach and, or manager's job is completely different, and it's not something that you just automatically stand up and just straight into it. And that's why the the licences that they, they put you through um, are stringent, and uh, they test you, and they put you into awkward situations, and they put you into uh, situations that become really uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, if you grasp it and you keep learning and you talk to the right people, then it comes. But it's not something that you just automatically go into. And I remember, you know, the, one of the first ones I was on. And, and, looking at some of the people that were on the course with me and um, you're thinking how can I stand and tell Roberto Di Matteo how to <laughs> how to shoot when he's, he's scored in the FA Cup final for 30 yards with the fastest ever goal but you have to put your coach's hat on and stand and speak to people like yeah. that and that's things like that come when, you, when people talk about coaching badges I'm instantly put in mind of those little swimming badges you used <laughs> do you actually get badges? you get a certificate now have you got yours framed? I have I have because the, um, when you get to the, the pro licence which is the the um, the, the top of the tree, so to speak. It's your, it's your kind of degree, um, and and certainly the the one I went on was an 18-month, very very intense course, and um, spoke to 23 guest speakers over the 18 months, going to European Championships, under 21 Championships for a week in Sweden, and and watching these these under 21 games, and then having to put a PowerPoint on um, straight after the game, having to go and put a PowerPoint on to and stand in front of people and do that. Um, so quite quite intimidating. Very, very intimidating, very intense, um, and have to put uh, an amount of work in over the 18 months, um, and then end up with a thesis at the end of it uh, on a study project. And it's it is a degree. It's like a degree stuff, but it should be, and it should be hard, and it should be taxing because it's basically um, what you should need to be the manager of a of a top level club or a European club, and it's something that. Uh, if you enjoy it and you grasp it and you take it on board, um, it's something that will make you so much better. From the rookery end. Ben, a month as caretaker manager. Was that a steep learning curve for you? It was, looking back on it, at the time I was gutted that I never got the job. Absolutely gutted coming in of the QPR game. We beat QPR at home and I came in and the chairman and uh, chief executive at the time sat me down and, and said, done fantastic unfortunately we're not going to give you the job and I was absolutely gutted because I, I put a I think I put a very good interview uh, forward to them and a case for me getting the job at the point um, and I think considering where we were at the time the results for that month had been okay um, and I just felt that I was gutted but I look back on it and it was it stood me in great stead for actually going for the job full time because it gave me a little window into football management for a month that you don't see as a coach and it is a completely again it's a completely different job the coach the first team coach the assistant manager's job to a manager's job is, is vastly different and the, the some of the things that the manager has to deal with with standing out there on the, the coaching field that gave me that little insight into it and, and then that's the choice do you really like this or do you do you really like being a coach so you've got to get that bit where do you enjoy doing that side of it as well or do you embrace that side of it and do you feel comfortable doing the other side of it dealing with the board dealing with press dealing with decision making day to day about the, the operating running of a football club 
um, and that little month gave me that chance to say that a year later or nine months later when it did come around yeah I really fancy this this is something for me um, so in hindsight delighted that I got that little window to actually um, just show me what Pandora's box is like when mm. you open it up yeah. When the job did go elsewhere, Malky, did you ever think that there might be this might be the end of the road for me in Watford? Or? Absolutely. You know that that, that was that was uh, uh, the manager, the new manager, could have come in and decided, you know, not not for me. Um, but um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I was I was an employee of the club, so I went back to being an employee of the club again and uh, and do my job. Um, and I tried to then fully back the manager that was there. There was, you know, that was. I've got a lot of feeling for the football club and I've been here a long time so I was never going to you know, throw my dummy out the pram um, it's not my nature and I was you know, hard working enough to think right, I'm going to put everything I've got behind this man and I told him that on, on you know, the first week um, you've got my full support my full backing and I'll try everything I can here to help you make this an easy transition and I'll let you know everything that's you know, about this football club to allow you to go and do the job the best you can Unfortunately, we, 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 we gelled and he had a good working relationship. The two of us had a good working relationship, and um, and he, he, you know, he put a bit of trust into me. And I'd like to think that that was, um, you know, because of maybe what I've done, but also because of how I was with him. So, uh, you know, that absolutely, I could have, I could have been sacked the following day. Sure. It's interesting that no one's actually mentioned his name. No gold mold. No, as I said, um, you know. Myself and Brendan have got a good relationship and, and still speak regularly. Um, and that's just the way it, the way it happened. It's, you know, it's, it's now. More from our chat with Malcolm Mackay later on in this podcast. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. On the last podcast, we were we were wondering where where was Will Buckley. We haven't seen him for a while. We weren't sure maybe what was wrong and uh, he certainly come back into the team and, and put his stamp on things at that, at that QPR game he did it, I think Buckley had a, it probably was my man of the match actually I think he's gave us we just look more fluid and exciting going forward when we've got Buckley in the team um, he's just an exciting player and I think we've, we've perhaps we've, we haven't had that for the last couple of seasons maybe I thought he made it look easy as well in that QPR yeah, game yeah. So I don't know if it was that was down to him alone, or whether it's poor QPR defending, but some of the sort of runs that he made, just it just, I think just seems so easy. There's a clear, there's an understanding building up in that in that team, isn't there? They know how to work space and then how to use it, which is the really important thing. If you if there is space, get in there and use it. And um, McGinn, Stephen McGinn, who was another standout performer until his uh, he got his face rearranged by <laughs> a stray a elbow. <laughs> I think it's a great performance from him and without doubt the best the best um, performance I've seen him turning in a Watford shirt. You could say that there was a point there with McGinn when you you know when you look at a game of football and you're watching it and you see you know goals being scored by one player and running around by another player that he can almost go under the radar and you don't notice him quite as much. But now we you know you know he's gonna be off for a couple of games. I'm saying like, ooh We're gonna miss him. Oh, we we are gonna we miss really him. Really yeah. I mean it's yeah. a shame, it's a big that's the the only downside of the past month really is that Steve McGinn will be out for that for that extended period. I mean it's just a, it's just a joy to see Watford players who are comfortable on the ball, comfortable moving forward at pace and let you know, let the defenders worry about it. And that's what we did at QPR. We they were on the back foot for the majority of that game. And I think it's largely down to, to Buckley and McGinn. It must be fra- so frustrating for McGinn as well to sort of realise a, a good patch of form and then just as he sort of hit it, he's, he's then out for another six weeks. Just as he hits it, he's hit. Exactly, mm. yeah. He looked, he looked like he'd been 
yeah. Ted Rounds with me then, didn't he? Yeah, tough man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, it's interesting with, with Buckley there. I think because he was out for so long, he's been such a big part of the beginning of the season, he disappears and all the fans, of course, and all the boards go, what's happened? He must have had a fight with blah, blah, blah. And maybe, you know, what's going on? All the kind of gossip comes out, which is like, ah, oh, just annoying. But I think, you know, the, the comments after that game, Malky said, he doesn't know how good he is. Yeah. And almost, you know, he's still, you know, he's 21 years old, and he stepped up two levels. Yeah. We forget that, you know, when they have these big games, he, he, he stepped up these two levels. He is getting better. He's still got development, which you guessing that's why maybe he he was left out for a while. Yeah, I mean, Malky, Malky was clear as well in that same interview. He said, you know, he had a dip in form, and that, and that he was made no bones about the fact that he was dropped because he wasn't performing as, as Malky hoped he would and you know it was a, it's a gamble signing people like like Steve McGill and, and Buckley Buckley's come made up two steps come up two divisions we tried the th- same thing with Will Hoskins for example mm-hmm. and that didn't come off um, and you know Hoskins was arguably more experienced than someone like someone like Buckley um, but it's a really interesting comment from Malky he doesn't know how good he is mm. and hopefully that, that QPR game will give him the confidence to really push on because I mean, Malky's also said in the past as there's issues around Buckley's um, fitness. fitness levels, and <coughs> that, that's fine. But, but for a professional footballer, for me, mm. you've got to be able to turn in a 90-minute stint if you're if you're asked to do it. Um, he's young. We don't want to. We don't want to have burnout. But it, 21 is that that young? You know, he's yeah, starting. He's starting I, to I guess. He's still got time to, to to develop um, yeah. physically in terms of his stamina. So if he. Yeah, he if it can be trained into him I don't know I, I, but you, can, I mean, can anyone remember having a player like that they couldn't last 90 minutes no, at such a young age I can't but I think the biggest thing though is it's almost like even though you, you know he's 21 years old he's not one of the teenagers in the squad he's 21 but he still has a lot of learning and developing to do and the fact that Malky's treating him in that way and that, you know, the club are treating him in that way to develop him to make sure he can hit those higher levels Maybe that's you know that, that, that atmosphere and that setup around the club will basically just purely nurture, nurture these young teenagers and also these players that they're buying in, and that they need that time to nurture so yeah. they can be the players out. They're not just going to be thrown and going. Well, you're not scoring goals. See you later. Yeah, no, I think it's clear from our dealings with you know we met with Nick Cox and people like that, and there's very much Watford a very patient club, partly through necessity, but we're willing to invest in these guys. We're not just going to sort of buy them, try them, and if they don't work in the first five games, get rid of them. Um, but by the same token, going back to the fitness levels, we did, do have a right to expect that you know we get 90 minutes out of a footballer, and that a, a, a footballer can um, can perform consistently. I think that QPR game, hopefully, the exciting thing for me is that hopefully that will give him belief. Mm. Um, and that, that for me is really interesting. That comment about he doesn't know how good he is. Can now can he uh, now can he now can he press on with that? He's got that in his back pocket. He's proved to a lot of people how good he is. Um, Let's not forget the contribution from the other players that day. I mean, John Eustace, we're not going to get through a podcast. <laughs> I'm about to say, I'm <laughs> no, how long God, is it going to yeah. last? You have to mention me eventually. Uh, hi, if you're listening, John. <laughs> how are you keeping me, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, of course, John Eustace, and the, the, the role he plays, frees up people like McGinn and Buckley to, to get forward, to do it, yeah. get down yeah. the pitch. And you look at that QPR game, how many players we had going forward... We had Taylor overlapping. We had all sorts going on. We, we really threw it at them, and that's a lot of that is because we're solid. We know where we're at. In and terms and of and the uh, those that don't get forward that often, like some Marriott and Taylor had. Martin Taylor had uh, really good games, and I thought Loach looked quite 
positive mm. and, and was dominating his box yep. more so than we've sort of seen in the earlier stages of the season, uh, which was yeah, which was very pleasing to see. It's one of those rare games when everyone looked like they knew what they were doing. They were happy in their own skin. They were happy in their position, and everyone performed to the standards that personally I expect on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> well done, chaps. From the Rookery End. In the next few months on the Formula Rookery podcast, we've got some fantastic chats that we've done with Don Cowie, Martin Taylor, Adrian Mariapa, and Danny Graham. And it being a Christmas special, but when we interviewed them earlier on today, we got them to pull a Christmas cracker and tell us a little Christmas joke. Hi, it's Martin Taylor, and you're listening to From the Rookery End. Martin one. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is the biggest ant? An, an elephant. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Hi, this is Don Cowie. What is a vampire's favourite food? I don't know. What is a vampire's favourite food? Nectarines. <laughs> Hello, this is Danny Graham. These jokes are horrendous. Why did the robber have a bath? Because he wanted a clean getaway. <laughs> oh my god, that's lame. Hi, this is Adrian Mariatha. I think mine's worse. <laughs> Why does this bus stop at every corner? Because it is a greyhound. Uh, <laughs> lame jobs. I'm going to send this one back. <laughs> Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. We've had a month of, of three games, thanks to, for, the, for the Preston game being cancelled, which I quite like, because we've got seven games coming up in the next four weeks, which is horrendous. But you but, quite like it, do you? Well, I like the fact that, no, I like the fact that we have, we've had this, players have had a week off. We've had a week off before they're about to head into these seven games of football. Jason and I were talking about this while you were off uh, warming up your vocal cords for one of the songs earlier, <laughs> and then we just saw, we just looked at each other and said, we, "You cannot call any of these games. They, literally, all of them could go either way." They, yeah, they really could be. I mean, you look at Cardiff a month ago could have been tough. They've had a bit of a dodgy patch recently. Lucky to get a point against Preston the other week. Um, Ipswich on a bad run. All of a sudden, they've won a game. Mm. Portsmouth. Don't know. They seem to have turned the corner. Like when they played us last time, are they still there? Scunthorpe. Who knows? Derby. You had a great run, but then lost yeah. the other day. It, who knows? Who knows what could happen? So no one's prepared to put a points total. I know. Oh, I know. I'll tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> then Michael. Away at Ipswich. Yeah. Terribly sorry, boys. One 0 defeat. Okay. It was a penalty. It wasn't a penalty, <laughs> but they scored it nonetheless. Home to Cardiff. Two all. Good game. Okay. Cardiff went 2 0 up. We came back with two two goals in the second half. Two all draw. Home to Portsmouth. Spanked them. Three 0 <laughs> Happy New Year to one and all. Four points. Away at Scunthorpe. Not a great game. One all. <laughs> Home to Hartlepool in the FA Cup. Dispatched with ease. Four <laughs> one. Home to Derby. Worst game of the season so far, nil-nil. <laughs> okay. Disappointing. Six. Away at Cardiff, another nil-nil. Oh, blimey. Yep. That's points. quite... Now that, for Mr. Pessimistic Parking, is quite optimistic. A yeah. draw, mm-hmm. a point at Cardiff. Seven points you're going for. Seven points. You heard it here first. Okay. Wow. But the big game of that is, of course, the starting of the... Old, what is it, Mike? The oldest cup competition in the world. It is. Oh, I love it, don't you? Yeah. The magic of the third Zenith round. data F- system. <laughs> <laughs> it is, of course, the FA Cup. The FA Challenge Cup. 
home to Hartlepool. They had to have three stabs at it to, to get the game mm. on. They beat Yeovil. It'd be knackered, so better chance of getting lots of goals there. But the club, have, we spoke to the club today, yep. and they're doing an absolutely fantastic thing. Yeah, the Marie Curie Cancer Charity, they are the league's appointed charity for this season and Watford have made that uh, the Hartlepool game their Marie Curie day um, and they're going to be making a few uh, donations as a result James mm. tell us about it the profits from the ticket sales or the Watford share of the profits from the ticket sales will be donated absolutely fantastic thing to do uh, and a, a fantastic gesture from the club so FA Cup day whatever it's just I love FA Cup for their round whoever it's against big team little team cardboard box <laughs> It's the magic of the FA Cup. No, it's, a, it's a win-win. One of my favourite trips, I think, was to Macclesfield in the third round of the Cup. That was great fun on a cold <laughs> January. Well, it's funny you say that because one, one of my least favourite trips was the, the FA Cup third round trip. That was away at Scarborough. Oh. Was it nil-nil? Zero-zero. <laughs> well, it's magical, whatever, the FA Cup. Yes. From the rookery end... This season, the club have been upping the ante when it comes to going out and meeting fans and had so far two at-your-places held at local bars and local venues in and around South Hertfordshire, kind of those far reaches away from, from Vicarage Road in Hemel Hempstead and in Garston. Jason and Mike were able to go to the last one and uh, I, can, I can hand over to them now. So here's Jason and Mike at the, at the Hammer Pub. So Jason and I are at a snowy Leavesden at the Hammer in Hand in Garston, or is it Leavesden? It's, it's sort of on the cusp, I think. On so the cusp. Garston Both. slash Leavesden is where we are, um, and those leaves in Leavesden are getting slowly covered in snow. But we're here at the, um, at the second At Your Place event, um, which was run by Watford. Here with us are Malky Mackay, uh, Julian Winter, Marvin Sordell, and... Who Martin else? Taylor. You've uh, forgotten already. He's uh, so good looking. You've forgotten he was here. John, you might have a uh, John Eustace. You might have a uh, a rival for my affections. He's, not only does he look good, but he spoke well as well. Didn't and, he? and he did indeed very well. And no doubt one of the Parkin family will end up fancying him <laughs> by the end of the season. Almost undoubtedly. So we've enjoyed it. We think it's been a worthwhile uh, a worthwhile evening. Should we go for a little mingle amongst the bar and see what our fellow Watford fans thought of it? I think we shall. There's a good a fair few of them here. There are a lot of them ask questions, and I'm sure they'll be happy to speak to us. Let's do it. Hi, my name is Dave, I'm from St Albans. Um, most interesting thing of the night, I have to say, just um, how much the players respect Malky. Um, and it's, um, they, they really do seem to have a good rapport with him, and again, uh, vice versa. Um, just a generally good atmosphere tonight. Good to see that it was a nice turnout, and again, the guys were very relaxed and very frank and honest with their answers. Um, particularly Julian Winter talking about what was going on with the finances at the club. So yeah, all in all, good night. Uh, my name's Luke, I'm actually from Watford. Probably most interesting point of the night, earlier on when I was leaving, my flatmate said to me, what are you up to tonight? I said, I'm going up down to one of the Watford fans forum. Uh, and he said, well, you seem to be going to them every week. What's going on? I think that kind of speaks volumes about the club in terms of what we're about and, and the communication with the local community. Hi, I'm Pete, I'm from the Upper Rouse. I thought that um, Martin Saylor was quite brave to uh, answer the question that was asked him. You know, does the guy really want to be associated for all time as the guy that broke Eduardo's leg? And I don't think so. And I think he showed that he was a bigger character than that um, and a lot more dignified than that. And I was just surprised that he spoke with a Geordie accent. My name's Alistair. I come from Melbourne, Australia. And tonight was 
inspirational. Best point of the night, I think, was Julian Winter just explaining financial situation of the club and uh, what the, the club itself are doing to rectify that and to make sure that we're there forever and ever. Fantastic night. Loved it. Email the boys. Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Well, you've already heard from him once today. We're now going to hear the second part of our interview with Father, I mean, Watford manager Malky Mackay. From the Rookery End. Malky, talk about your, your playing career. You've obviously played under a few managers. Best or favourite? Um, I did play, I played under five, five years at Celtic. I don't know if that speaks to anything for Celtic or me. Um, and I, I had three at Norwich. Um, and I had a couple here as well. Um, my first one, Queen's Park. Um, a guy called Eddie Hunter, who was a legend at Queen's Park and who really nurtured me from you know, from being a 12, 13-year-old at that football club right through to when, when he helped me get my move to Celtic at 21. So how would you say your life as a manager now differs to... Was it Eddie? Oh, it's, it's vastly different. Uh, you know, I'm into the, the professional game and um, in terms of uh, the day-to-day running of a football club, being involved in, you're involved in budget meetings, you're involved in um, talks with the board, board meetings, a weekly meeting with my chief executive. Um, and a budget meeting, would that involve you saying, this is what I'd, I'd, I'd like? Um, budget meetings in terms of a lot of things. Um, Dealing with how many sandwiches I've got on a plate in one of my guest rooms, that's, that's it comes to... You, do, you deal with that, literally? I have a budget that, that deals with the operation of my, my training ground and, um, and my staff, and, and um, it's, it's not just about players and sure, you know, sure. wages and players and transfer fees. You've, you've, you know, you've got to deal with, deal with a lot of different things, and, and these are all things that, that probably people don't... And they, they shouldn't say it's not, you know, it's not, it's not, no one cares about that, but, you know, you've got to get your head around the figures as well and uh, how a football club works and runs and what hotels we go to and, uh, and, and various parts of the country and what bus we use and, you know, food and drink for the boys and, you know, fluids and stuff like that. Sure. You know, there's lots of different facets there. From the rookery end. You know, funny, the first year I was here, uh, looking where are big rivals? Mm. And, and obviously that was from previous years when I wasn't here. You know, they were in our league and there was, there was a big rivalry. But after that first year, then they obviously dropped out and, and down and down and down to the point where, you know, it's not something that you hear about as much anymore. And people talk about QPR being our local derby now because of that. But I have to say that that year that we played up at... Um, up at Luton's ground and, and uh, we beat them and I scored in the game actually um, it was a great atmosphere and, and local derbies are, are fantastic obviously Celtic and Rangers is, is huge and it's something that everyone I think as a support should actually experience one day to play in it uh, to be sent off in it <laughs> not really, but, but we went to, I went to Norwich and played in this Norwich Ipswich game and the fervour before it was incredible bear in mind it was 50 miles away the next time it was 50 yeah. miles away um, and played in this game and it was it was mental. It was it was there was there was policemen and horses guiding them into the ground, dogs, you know, uh, police dogs. And I'm thinking this is nuts. I've not seen this in England since I've come down here. And uh, but the atmosphere in the game was charged, and it was and everyone I played in at Norwich Ipswich was fantastic. And I have to say, coming to, to do the 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 Watford Luton one, um, you know. 
to go into that and, and be up there at, at, at Kenilworth Road and the atmosphere there that day and behind the goals, what, what a support we had behind the goals that day. And um, as I say, when we won, it was, it was quite a day. Um, and you miss those, you miss that little bit of that yeah. little bit of tension between clubs. Um, is, is there a game? Um, is there a team in this division that you and the and the guys do get up for more than um, the others? No, that was that was the, the one. You know that we don't have a, a natural local rival at that part, and so there's there's no something that you there's a needle. There's yeah. no that needle there, and maybe that's the one that was missing from from looking being not being there anymore. I suppose you guys, as you know, as guys that are in the terraces watching it, maybe there's teams you want to beat more often than, than other teams. That teams you dislike Everyone. more. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Listen, I suppose the Reading game was was it the, the build up to the Reading game last year was a bit mm, like that. Yeah. And, and the, the fans that were that, that went. I mean, my God, when you, when I looked up to the right and the, the fans behind the goals that day, it was like that was sea of yellow. It was incredible, and it was a great atmosphere. And when Danny scored the header, um, by God. Did we let rip. Um, so that was that was really good that day, I have to say. From the rookery end. And what do you hope for Watford's future? I hope for um, I hope for us to have uh, a nice stadium where we can be proud of going into. I hope for a, a flat pitch where the slope is taken off the pitch. Uh, a pitch where it's a brand new laid pitch where there is no rugby on it. Um, I hope for a, an atmosphere round about the training, right, sorry, an atmosphere round about the, the stadium on a Saturday that is conducive to wanting to go to football, and wanting to take youngsters to football, whether that be uh, restaurants, pubs, um, shops, uh, club shops, all these sorts of things, music playing, whatever, just to make sure that on a Saturday there's an atmosphere. Um, I wish for as many of our homegrown academy prospects to come through as possible because we've got a great project going on at Airfield and the more of those guys, it'll take time but you've already got two or three coming out of that that I think are going to play a major part in Watford's history in the next few years. Um, and ultimately I want us to get to the Prem. I want us to get there and, and hang in there. And if you hang in there that first year, then you can become Wigan, Fulham, Bolton, etc, 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 who aren't clubs that command more than 20,000 fans, because we are limited in what we can, what we can uh, in the main, achieve as an attendance. Um, but there are clubs in the Prem that have done that, and don't, don't, don't do that, and much more than, than that. That's what, I would, that's what I look for for the future. From the rookery end. Thanks again to Malky for uh, giving a bit of time to chat to us. Very insightful yeah. interview. Like, nice to know what kind of more about him and more about the ins and outs of his job and, and what it takes to be a, a football manager. It isn't just about turning up and saying pick him, pick him, buy him. It's a, it's a lot more to that job. Yeah, there was two things that really struck me about about that little chat. One was the how sort of how detailed his day to day job is. What he has to get involved in. He get everything down to the nth degree. Is has the manager's input, which you know, which is really good. In some ways, I'm pleased about it. In other ways, <coughs> yeah. it's tough that he's got so much on his plate. And then the other thing was really interesting about how um, intensive those getting those getting that UA for badges, getting that pro license, how tough that is. Yeah, what struck me was how disappointed he was when he didn't get the job first time round after he'd been caretaker for a month. He, he, he you could clearly hear the disappointment in his, in his voice that he really, really wanted that job. But it's great that we've got one man leading that ship. Onto the promised land, yeah, onto he, the Premier League. From the Rookery End, get involved. Go to facebook.com forward slash Rookery End. You've already heard one Christmas carol from us this Christmas special podcast. A traditional Christmas carol. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. But you know, on the here on the Rookery End, we don't like to do things by halves. So we've got another one for you.
This time, the 1989 Christmas, pretty sure it was 89. Was it? Cliff, can we ask Cliff? That's, that's stats, that is. <laughs> yeah, J- Jason's your man for football stats. <laughs> John is a pop culture. Yeah. Pop, pop music. Probably about, I think 1989, I reckon it's 89. I'm not looking that up. I'm going. I'm going the gut there. Uh, 1989, Cliff Richard, Christmas number one, mistletoe in wine. But Mike, put his own little flair towards it, and this is uh, mistletoe in wine, the Watford version. Malky's our king. The rookery will sing. Ashcraft is going, it's a new beginning. Dreams of East Ends, dreams of goals. Dreams of a view, not obstructed by poles. It's Christmas time, Buckley down the line. Hornet singing, Watford face rhyme. With Danny Graham scoring while Loach keeps clean sheets. Who's the next team that Watford will be? A time for winning, a time for scoring, a time for attacking. Let's not be boring. Troy and Marvin, Cowie McGinn. With talent like that, we surely must win. Christmas time, Buckley down the line. Hornet singing, Watford face rhyme. With Danny Graham scoring, while Loach keeps clean sheets. Who's the next team that Watford will be? So what are the back line? Well, they are just fine. Lloyd, Adie and Martin all protecting the goal line. Captain Eustace leading the fight. Powerful tackling, white teeth shining bright. Christmas time, Buckley down the line. Hornet singing Watford bass rhyme With Danny Graham scoring while Oach keeps clean sheets Who's the next team that Watford will beat? Well, I don't know about you lads, but I've never felt more Christmassy in my life. If you're not running towards a Christmas tree and decorating it with yellow and red tinsel after that, then you must be dead inside. From the rookery end. Uh, thanks again for listening to uh, this our Christmas special. Uh, well, um, thanks for listening to all of them. Oh, absolutely. We have 10,000 downloads now. Yeah. Um, thank you for, for listening to them all. We hope you enjoyed our Christmas special. Hey, Mike, we've got some presents that Jason's given us, which yeah. we need to... I was, I was feeling particularly festive, so uh, feel free to open. It's a book. It's the O-Level book. A genuine now, examination for those question of you that don't for know, don't know, John is, is studying to be a teacher, <laughs> and I think we just from time to time need to check his credentials. And Mike... I've got ever... the keys to a brand new Ferrari. Jason. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Oh, dear. Mike, ever the pessimist, needs something to remind him that someone somewhere is having a worse day than he is, so I, I've purchased a book for him. <laughs> it's called the... Somewhere someone is having... 
a worse day than you. <laughs> Which, I mean, the actual, you. Yeah, the actual title of the book is... Oh. Is, 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 is uh, unbroadcastable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep it S, S happens and you know the rest. We're a family show. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much. To you I for listening. Um, you thank can... you to um, Malky Mackay for, well, A for being a top bloke and agreeing to interview, do an interview with us, um, and B for steering Watford hopefully towards safety and better things in the future. And uh, remember, if you want to keep in touch, make sure you uh, keep visiting the blog at fromtherookerend.com. Uh, if you subscribe, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, so you get it automatically when it comes out at the end of January, the next one. And uh, if you have anything you ever want to share, I put on the podcast. Remember, you can email us podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. If you're on Facebook, get to facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. You can have your say on there, have a chat with other like-minded fans. Get on there. And of course, we are all on Twitter. You can follow me at Rookery Mike. I'm at Rookery John. And I'm non conforming, so I am at Jace Bailey. That's J A S B A I L E Y. Hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. Yeah. Enjoy it, everybody. Many points in all the games we've got coming up in the next month. I hope I haven't ruined it for you by telling you exactly what's <laughs> going to happen in the next month, but uh, it's going to be good fun. Merry Christmas and uh, happy Watford New Year.